Every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet of his nature. And he is so multifaceted and so multidimensional that we've only begun to scratch the surface of what the creative realm really looks like. You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is season two, episode six. For this episode, I'm going to share a keynote message from poet and storyteller Ray Hughes. This keynote is one that he gave at the recent Breath and Clay Creative Arts Conference. It's entitled, A Renaissance of Hope. What an incredible time to be alive. And uh, what an incredible time to be in the, in the, living in the purposes of God in the season that we're supposed to be alive in. And when I say alive, I mean fully alive. Oswald Chambers said, said this. He said, living a life of faith means never knowing where you are being led. And another extremely wise fellow Said, says faith is the ability to embrace what God says about your future. And uh, I was the one that said that. Uh, we'll just have to go ahead and get confess up here on the front end. But faith is the ability to embrace what God says about your future, even when you don't understand it. Fear is, uh, is a reaction to what God says about your future. But faith will always embrace what God says about your future. Now, when, when, I, when I consider the word faith, faith is a, an important part of this journey that we're all on. I also know that if, if we're stepping out into the unknowns, we're stepping out and embracing uh, those fearful unknowns. Sometimes they really can be fearful. I believe that we're right now at a, at a time in the, in the body of Christ where we are beginning to scratch the surface of the creative realm. Uh, I believe that we're, we're at a threshold, at a place of a beginning of scratching, the, uh, just touching the spirit realm. And at different times in our lives, we'll touch the spirit realm, and we always come back uh, with, with this incredible deposit of, of, of God's heart. But we've only touched the, the spirit realm. Uh, and we are a people that are created to live uh, by the spirit and walk by the spirit. So creative realm, we're just beginning. Spirit realm, we're just beginning. I think the prophetic realm, I know these are terms and terminologies that a lot of us have become accustomed to over the years, but I, but I think the prophetic realm is just now beginning to open. Uh, I, I believe that the intercessory realm is just now beginning to be known in our generation for the purposes that, it, that God revealed it for. So I, my point is, is guys, we are just beginning to explore um, uh, kingdom realm. And you are ones who God has chosen to be alive in this generation to be the ones that go on these incredible journeys. Uh, creative realm, in no way has, has it been exhausted. You know, every time creativity occurs, God reveals another facet of his nature. And he is so multifaceted and so multidimensional that we've only begun to scratch the surface of what the creative realm really looks like. And the same with spirit realm, same with prophetic realm and so on. So we are at a threshold in time right now. We are, we are once again being given 
an opportunity to choose between a mindset in Christianity or a revelation of the nature of God. So we can choose between being embedded in superficial church mindset or supernatural kingdom revelation. God has some things in the supernatural realm that we uh, uh, that are going to really rattle our theologies and understanding of who of who He is. So if we're choosing between the superficial church mindset and the supernatural realm. I think it begins when we become no, lo- no longer living a life out of obligation to church, but we live our life out of a fascination with God. And God is so fascinating, we're about to experience Him in ways that we never have. The enemy wants you to forget who you are in the middle of the land of who you used to be. And when we were constantly re- trying to relate and respond to God born out of who we used to be and trying to process our journey born out of what we used to be, we're living and used to be looking for something in the future. And there is a now of God that he's revealing right now. He, and he's so creative in doing that that he's awakening the create, creatives to demonstrate the creator. And he's awakening us and I don't, want to, I don't want to sound like some sense of entitlement or some sense of exclusiveness. I'm just saying he's giving the language to those who are willing to access the creative realm, thereby find the spirit realm to unveil dimensions of his nature and facets of his nature that no generation has ever experienced. And if we as a people, we believe God's already, you know, revealed himself fully to former generations down through church history, that'd be one of the most arrogant things that a Christian could ever come up with in their head, that we have exhausted the wonder and the beauty and the power and the, and the majesty and the, and you know, go and find as many descriptive words as you want to. At some place, sometimes it, be, it becomes unimaginable, therefore indefinable, and we just begin to demonstrate his nature and his power supernaturally instead of superficially, born out of striving and obligation. All right, so what I'm telling you is, is we're, we're stepping through a threshold right now into a, into a renaissance. But the Renaissance, uh, for any of you that don't study history, it was a period in European history between the 14th and the 17th century that marked the waning of the Middle Ages and the rise of the modern world. And what marked this new day coming out of the, the dark and Middle Ages into, into the modern world, it was a revival of art. It was a revival of learning and literature. And poetry, as poetry and music reached whole new heights in that day. Renaissance means rebirth or reawakening. And during Renaissance, I don't know if you realize this or not, but some pretty significant things happened during that Renaissance. Renaissance, during Renaissance, America was discovered. We typically think of the Renaissance as being a European thing, but But out of that European thing, the whole world felt its impact. For example, America was discovered. And also the Reformation began. We typically look at it more in a secular sense of academia, but in fact, there was some of the most profound kingdom revelation uh, known until that time happened happened during uh, during that uh, Renaissance. Reformation began. And major figures of, of the Renaissance include Galileo, William Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, 
Also, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, and a lot of others. And, and they were redefining man's relationship with God. They were putting their pens to the task of writing their revelations that would carry the awakenings in the future. And a lot of the awakenings that we've experienced since then were, were due to the fact that these guys would stand up and suffer the conflict and the controversy and write the things that God was showing them. No matter what man thought of it, they went ahead and suffered the conflict and the controversy. They were carrying awakenings in their pen, and revivals for generations to come would feel the weight of what they would write. At that very same time, the Norman invasion was happening in Ireland, and along with it, there was a 500 years of a cultural abyss because Ireland didn't necessarily experience the Renaissance the way the rest of the world did. So Europe was experiencing a renaissance, but Ireland experienced isolation and this cultural suppression that was brought about by the Anglo-Normans at the time. But renaissance means rebirth. And sometimes true innovation happens when we simply rise up out of the ashes of the former burnings and allow ourselves to dream again. And that's why I believe God's raising up a generation of dreamers. Dreaming new dreams around old disciplines is the key to innovation. When we're dreaming new dreams around old disciplines, not only do we become innovators, but we, we also break down the emulating, the emulators until the emulators and emulate the emulators become imposters. And so innovative thoughts and inspired ideas should never be lost or taken lightly. And see, we're in a room full of people here now that's hearing the heart of God and moving out in innovation. And, and, and you know, where, you know when, when and how Renaissance really happens is when brilliant young thinkers stop thinking and go ahead and do the unthinkable. And so I want to say to you today, if you, if you hear anything, Renaissance happened when gifted, skilled, knowledgeable thinkers take the time to stop thinking. And when you stop thinking and confining yourself to the thought processes and, uh, and overly scrutinizing your process, uh, when you do that, pretty soon you'll just become spectators. <laughs> and when you become spectators, you actually cut off your ability to experience the wonderful, the, the wild, wonderful wildness of God. Now, yesterday was a celebration of a fellow named St. Patrick. I want to tell you a real quick story, something about happened with St. Patrick one time. St. Patrick, uh, of course, he was not Catholic, nor was he Irish. Uh, he was not, he didn't become Catholic till he had been dead about 400 years. But, but he, was one, he was one that understood and experienced the wonderful wildness of God. As a matter of fact, one time, and I've been to this place many times, one time he and his merry men, all of his musicians and praying buddies and all that, his tribe, if you will, they, they go walking down into a place, uh, in, into a valley in Ireland. And when they walk into that valley, they hear angels singing. And not just one of them accessed the spirit realm in that moment. 
all of them accessed the spirit realm in that moment. So there was a, there was a, a corporate unity of, of the revelatory spirit realm thing operating in their lives. And when they walked into that atmosphere, they heard the angels singing. And then they began to see angels descending and ascending in this valley. And they found themselves caught in this wonderful place in the spirit realm. And it was so beautiful in their experience, they decided that, and in that place, it became known as the Valley of the Angels. And in the Valley of the Angels, ultimately, they wound up building a, um, a monastery there. Uh, like the old Celtic uh, days of Celtic monasticism was becoming, at that point, full swing on the la in the land of Ireland. But there... When they established this place, what they did is they established a place for 24-7 worship for 300 years. There's e and, and there's even a book you can find uh, that's in, the, it's, it's in a museum in Milan, Italy today. It's called the Bangor Antiphonary, which is their lyric, their poetry, and their prayers, their liturgy that was used 24-7. The sound didn't stop just like it did in the Tabernacle of David. And there in that valley, as these people were interacting with God, and uh, poetry and art and was coming to life in them. And those are the days where, the, the beginning days of what would ultimately become the book of Kells and beautifying the Psalms and beautifying song. Uh, that you would find people like Columkill or Columba, uh, Aden, and some of the, those saints that would come behind them were being given permission because the spirit realm was open in that generation to these people to experience heaven kissing earth, as Stephen was talking about. But during that time, their language was becoming lyric for the next generation. That's why I tell songwriters, you're not writing next year's most popular course when you write a song. You're writing the next generation's language for accessing God when you're writing a song. And that's what they were doing. They were writing out of the experiencing God. And when they did that, they wound up calling this place the Valley of Angels, and they built an abbey called the Bangor Abbey. 24-7 worship and creativity and art. And then one day, the Vikings came in, slaughtered. There were 1,200 of them, and they slaughtered 900 of them in one day. Conflict and controversy. What did they do? They went down, and they got in the boat. 300 of them were left. What are we going to do? They went down and they got in the boat. And when they sat down in the boat, they realized we have nowhere to go. Where are we going to go? So what they did is they just threw the oars overboard. And they, and they said, wherever the wind of the Spirit carries us, that's where we'll be. And as a result of that, they just unfurled the, the sails. And once the wind, which there's a mariner's term called haul, and when, when the wind catches the sail, that means you're not going forward into your new day on your own strength. The wind will carry you there. And wherever they landed, that's where they would just, they'd maybe land on a rock somewhere in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of the Irish Sea. And wherever they would land, they would just get out and build one of those beehives and start praying and worshiping there because they were carrying worship in them. They were carrying presence. They didn't live in these places because of penance. They lived there because of presence. It wasn't about penance. It was about presence. And, when the, where, and again, that wind would catch their sail and take them there. And nobody could find these guys. You couldn't track these guys. You, you know what the, and what, you know what they were called? They were called the wild geese. You ever been on a wild goose chase? That's where the term comes from. 
But, it was, but a wild goose was not the term that was given just to them. The reason they were called the wild geese is because they are on a wild goose chase. And the wild goose, in those days of art and symbolism, the, uh, the Holy Spirit was not just a dove. He was also depicted as the wild goose. And they were the ones that were after the wonderful wildness of God and spontaneous enough in their relationship to him that they could live their lives according to stepping into a new day and not saying we're going to be driven by our former pain and disappointment that happened to us, but we're setting our sights into a future day where God will reveal himself in even more wondrous ways than we ever could have experienced him by being where we are. So what they would do, they lived their lives looking for the next, for the next lyric that would, uh, would express that wonderful wildness of God for them. And as a result of that, they wound up taking the gospel and art and creativity all over Europe. Now, what, what has been your, your experience in your past? Does your art demonstrate your pain from your past? Or does, it, or does your art express the life that is now and in the future? Big question. Most of us write, live, experience out of the pain of the past. There's a globalization mindset that's robbing a generation right now of the ability to identify what the lands that we're supposed to be carrying the song of. There are, so, there, are, there are places in the terrain, for example, that have never, never fully realized its song because we don't have those, those wild geese poets that are there accessing creation and now expressing God's heart through their creative process in those lands. Every, every land uh, is waiting for, for the, the minstrels to come. And now we're living in a generation that God's raising them up and they're being seen and they're being heard. And it's an awesome time to be alive. Now, the most majestic form of sound is, is music. And I know, you know, sometimes to talk about music is... is you, if you, you don't talk about music, you live music. Music, music is something that is only, only realized through the expression of it. It's, it's about something you're born to do and you come most alive when you're doing it. Well, that's hard for some people to get their head around that, but sound, sound is moving airwaves. And without air, we would never hear music. And our first breath is what brings us into this world as a presence of life. And our last breath takes us out and into eternity. But air, which carries music, the air is overlooked. And yet it's always secretly near and it's always longing to carry your song. So let everything, that's why David said, let everything that has breath or air, let everything that breathes, every, everything that exists as a result of the Ruach of God, praise the Lord. And, and what, we, what we are when we're praising the Lord, I don't know if you realize this or not, but what happened in the beginning is that Ruach, breath of God, spoke to dirt and animated dirt in the form of Adam. And when, when God breathed and shouted into that form, see, he created everything else with the sound of his voice, but with Adam, he yachtsard, squeezed, formed, shaped the dirt. And then God said, huh, and when he did, Adam went, oh. 
and at that response, life came. And he went, oh, who, 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 who. And the beginning of rhythm happened when breath, the ruach, breath of God, happened. And that, con and that constant responsiveness to what God had said, or it was actually the word, the, the word there was as to expel a shout, nafok, huh. And when he did that, the, the, the next word was he became a living, breathing soul. And that word there is to pant as a woman in childbirth. So it was huh, 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 huh. And out of that life, came rhythm out of that heartbeat. And the heart cannot beat without the ruach, breath, spirit, life of God coming into dirt. So when we let everything that has received the ruach, breath of God, praise the Lord. So we are animated dirt doing what we were created and formed to do and God spoke it to be so and now we have opportunity through our process of responding to him to find the song that we're supposed to carry and in the supernatural realm, our praise will now that of our breath is supposed to move atmospheres and change a whole spiritual dynamics of regions because from the dirt, that were created, we rise up with its song and awaken humanity to experience God, not church. That's one of the reasons you're living in a generation that is becoming contemplative beyond just the liturgical side of the contemplative and meditating. Anybody here, you know how to meditate? Anybody know how to meditate? Well, a lot of you didn't raise your hand. Do you know how to worry? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You know, just flip that thing over and turn it into worship is what you do, all right? And, but what are we doing when we're, when we're walking on the land? We're walking in the air. We're walking in the atmosphere. We are carrying something spirit, pneuma of God. We're carrying song in us that, that, that the places we set our feet and live our lives and breathe our expression of, of life have to come into agreement. That's why the church is not just created for services. The church is actually created to admonish one another, awaken one another, alert and awaken one another on a spirit realm to the point of Psalms, canonized word of God set to music and poetry, hymns, where we found, find our theological basis for our present understanding for God, of God. But then there's spiritual songs, which is reaching into the future. So you have this musical expression of was, is, and is to come. Are you with me? But what is this is to come? Speaking and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and ode pneumaticus. Ode, a song of an unrehearsed nature, spontaneity of song, creating atmospheres, musical for the spirit or the life to come into its full release. Ode, song of an unrehearsed nature brought forth with noble feeling. Numa, not Old Testament, Ruach, and so on. New Testament, Numa, breath, spirit of God. So when what we're doing is we're singing we're carrying the breath of God within us, the responsiveness of hoo, 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 hoo. as that's going 
we are called to move in such a supernatural realm that when we step on the land, we hear the song of the land and we animate it because we're not in the dirt and we're not in the heaven. We're on this earth. And as long as we're on this earth, we are created to carry songs. So wherever you go, God's waiting for you to awaken creativity in that realm. That's, and again, that's one of the, re and, you, and it doesn't have to be the expressed music or sound even. It's the expressed worship that makes the difference. Same thing, biblically, you can go through it. You can look, look at it for eye gate. When we find out who we are, and uh, it, it awakens something in us to know that the beginning of to know God is to know how God knows you. And we are animated dirt. Now, music is the soundtrack to what God said. And also he desires to say again, that's why you can't think up music. We can't think up music. Creativity is actually a spirit process. It's not just about a, a mental acuity developing giftings. That can come, but in fact, music is the soundtrack to what God says and also something he desires to say again. But you can't think up music because music occurs. It's then up to the musician who has the sensitivity and the sensibility to catch it. And now you translate it into the moment. But it has to occur. And a song is never finished because it's not a product. Your art is not a product, it's a process. And it's not just a process, it's a partnership. So when you create out of partnership, God enables you to carry a language that carries his breath, his truth, his word, and his life. That's why I say we've only begun to scratch the surface in the supernatural realm in regards to creativity, because now we're beginning to move over into that realm where we just create sound and out of that place of creating the sound, what, what the musicians are doing is they're just putting just enough water in the room for you to walk on. The congregation walks on that water that's in the room. Now, when we begin to allow that song into our spirits, we're going to sing from an old pneumaticus place, a song. Let me, let me, let me share this with you. Uh, back when people lived on the land and worked the land, they had a look of wildness on their old-fashioned faces, especially in their eyes. Do you ever notice that? Now we live in a world that clamors after the latest fashion and beauty has become a product and a disguise. See, there was a time when young men's hearts weren't calloused, their hands were. They would have been proudly dressed in the dust of the land. That's back when old men were called sir and handshakes still meant something and ladies were still respected as miss and ma'am. Hats were taken off at the door and gentle smiles were found at evening fires. And the deepest sense of belonging to the land was lived out in the beauty of the songs that were remembered around the hearth. But when poets and prophets no longer can hear the song of the land, they have no notes to sing, and the children cease to learn who they are. And then they grow up and refuse to dress in the dust of the land, and ashes lay cold on the hearth.
Our life's message is meant to be one as creatives. Our life's message is meant to be a light, to light a gentle fire around poetry that's hidden in our hearts, art that's hidden in our hearts, the secrets of God hidden in our hearts. And we, sh we should be writing the kind of poetry, the kind that your children's children will read to their children. And that's how we carry the language of the Spirit to the next place. You know, not long ago, I was, I was sitting on an airplane, and I was, I, was, I was writing, and I was writing with one of my pens. I make my, I make my own pens. And I was writing in one of my leather journals. I'm writing along. And somebody, this lady next to me said, oh, what a unique pen. Uh, and she said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but she said, I just noticed your pen. That's what, what a, a unique ink pen. I said, I said, yeah, I make them myself. I make my own pens. And then I just went back to write. She said, you do? That's, that's incredible. She was impressed by that. And so I, I just go back to writing. She, in a minute, she interrupts me, and she says, excuse me, could I be so bold as to ask you, what are you writing? And I, with, with that special pen, and I said, well, I'm actually, I'm writing a letter to my great-great-grandson. And she said, do you have great-grandchildren? I said, no, but I will when I get this letter. <laughs> because what I was doing, what, I do, what we do is we write the language of our knowings of God. And that's writing. See, it's not just about writing another book that can be debated and deleted out of somebody's system. It's about capturing the language of what God has done in the heart of a generation and sending it forth as song. And sending and causing your life to mark something in the dirt from which you come that carries promise to the next generation. Because if you can reach one generation and honor what God has done, you're reaching the next generation with the promise of what God will do. Now your creativity is far more valuable than giving identity and self-worth born out of the monetization of the misery that you suffer in your generation. <laughs> you see, the world, go, the world goes the whole, whole nother direction at that. And, and that's what we're born to do. That's why it's important that we know who we are and what kind of dirt we're carrying in our blood. And so when we're, when we're wearing, when we honor and carry the dust of the land, you know what we're doing is we're honoring and carrying the song that they sung and the prices they paid and the sacrifices they gave. Now, what, who are we now? Who are you? Who am I? Are, are we a part of that song that will continue? Song is the wind of God set in motion carrying the promises that he made to future generations, waiting for a generation to access the creative realm to the point that they move in the supernatural revelation with their creativity instead of superficial expression of art. Art is far bigger than that. M music is universal, we know. We know that dance, uh, you've heard my definition of dance. Dance is nothing more than sculpting the air. So when you bring your body under submission to the desire of God and your breath begins to catch the rhythm of God and your body begins to engage the Holy Spirit and you have that wondrous dance that you and him, only you and he can have, that you begin to sculpt the air that carries the sound and the song. So there is something of a symphony of his presence and there's a generation now that he's raising up that's becoming fully aware that we've only scratched the surface in the creative realm 
only scratch the surface in the prophetic realm, only scratch the surface in the supernatural realm. But in our generation, the Holy Spirit is revealing and awakening a Renaissance generation and there's, a, there's an awakening and a birthing happening. And you know what that birthing is? Those that are bold enough to walk through the threshold of the church and out into the kingdom and not live their lives obligated to church, but live their lives with a fascination with God that says we can get in the boat because there's a wind coming. A lot of you are carrying a grace and anointing to release hope in a world that is really, really hopeless right now. God's putting hope in you so that you can release hope. In the same way, I talked about it in an earlier session with the artists this morning, in the same way that you are the ones that have learned how to be alone without being lonely. And we have to learn how to do that. We gotta learn how to be alone without being, being lonesome. And the way you do that is when you're alone, you're actually alone with God. And you're hearing the song that God is singing into your heart. So then when you come out of aloneness where you were alone with God, you, you carry something of a sound that will awaken those that are alone and lonely and hopeless. So you're carrying God's ability to awaken a generation with hope because that's what the Creator desires to do. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Makers and Mystics, you can do so at makersandmystics.com. And if you're listening to us through iTunes and you haven't left a review yet, I would certainly appreciate it if you took the time to leave one. Until the next time. <laughs>